Good morning, church. Listen prayerfully as we have a reading of God's Word. Today's reading is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Thank the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the re- spirit of wisdom and re- of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Another one of those long sentences, Brother Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> when we went to Kenya's missionaries in 1984, don't tell me how old you were in 1984 or that you weren't born. I feel old enough today as it is. I've got that big 7-0 coming on Thursday, and so I feel old enough as it is. But when we went to Kenya, our goal as missionaries was not just to lead people to Christ. It was that, but it was also to plant churches and to have people in those churches grow and be strong and begin to serve the Lord. And we talked about the concept of an indigenous church. Now, what that means, Tony, is a Kenyan congregation meeting in a Kenyan-style building, worshiping in a Kenyan language, led by a Kenyan pastor who is supported by Kenyan offerings. A church that could endure. I believe that that's the kind of church that Paul planted in the places to which he went. I remember very well the last time Brenda and I went to Nairobi. We, Nancy, we'd been gone from the country for over 20 years at that point. We went back to one of those first churches that we planted in the city of Nairobi, Landmark Baptist Church of, of Nairobi in Daggeretti Corner. And it was amazing, the old building that I threw up, which was basically a tin pole barn, had been torn down, and Jerry they had built a block or a, a cut stone building in its place. We sat through the service. I got to preach again in Swahili, and there were people saved that day. That was, that was great. But you know, the, the most exciting thing for me that happened that day, the pastor had me into his house, and we had tea with a group of preachers, pastors from the city of Nairobi, from our churches that we had planted between, the hop, between our work and the hopper's work, Um, Eddie Williams, the pastors of those churches that had been planted in Nairobi met in the pastor's living room for tea. And one of those guys was Enos. Enos was 
just a young high school student when I met him. And we won him to the Lord and baptized him. Before I left, we ordained him as a deacon of the church. And Enos was still there serving the Lord. There were other pastors who were there who went through our training. There was one guy there, Jamie, that said, Oh, I remember you. You preached in our church when I was a little boy. Do you know how thrilling that was? That young guy who I preached in his church when he was a little boy was an assistant pastor of one of our new churches in the city of Nairobi. That is why we went to Kenya. That's what it's all about. And I think about Paul, and he's writing back to the church at Ephesus. And he has again been gone from that church. He planted that church. But he's writing back to them to see how they're doing. Now, he has heard of their faith. He has heard how they're demonstrating love for each other. But he's got some special prayers for them. I read that this week over and over and over again. And I realized that to me, that is the point of these verses in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, what do you think Paul wanted to pray for the members of that church that he planted and he has not seen them? At this point, Sharon, he's in house arrest in Rome. But he's writing back to a church that he planted years before and he has not seen them in many years. The point of the passage to me is, what do you think your pastor prays for you? What do you think that a pastor prays for his church? What do you think a missionary prays for the churches that he has planted? I think that's what we see in these verses in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 through 23. He says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease. I don't quit to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. What did Paul pray for them? And what do you think that I pray for you as my church? First of all, the pastor's prayer for you is growth in Christ. He said, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, in those verses, first of all, he talks about faith. He's already said in verse 15, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, he's not just talking about salvation faith. Now, I I would hope that every single person under the sound of my voice, including our visitors, have already put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We have one young man, I can never see who I want to see from up up here, but we have one young man that has come recently, made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, and he's going to present himself to you later this morning for baptism. Praise God! 
But listen, the faith, and, and if you've not done that yet, you'll never see heaven. You'll never make it to heaven without faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only way to get there. But he's not talking about saving faith. Betty, he had already seen their saving faith. He was there and planted the church. I wonder how many were still there that he led to the Lord back when he was there in Ephesus. What he's talking about, folks, I've heard of your faith. He's talking about living, walking, serving faith. Are you living by faith? Listen, we talked about it, Don, in the Sunday school class this morning, about the times in which we live. They are perilous times. and We can easily overreact, react with fear and with alarm. But if our trust is in Jesus, you do understand that trust and belief are the same thing as faith. One is a noun, the other is a verb. You believe as a verb, you have faith as a noun. We also talk about trusting, that's a verb, or you have trust, which is a noun. But it's the same thing. And we need to make sure that we've not just trusted at a single moment in Jesus Christ for salvation, but we're living day after day after day, living by faith. The Bible says the just, the righteous, shall live by their faith. He also talks about love. He said, I've, I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. What is our purpose? Anybody remember we, we used to harp on that a lot and, and I haven't drug it up before you in a little while. It is to love God, love others, reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Love is not just our theme, it is why we're here. Our worship this morning, I love singing hallelujah. That means praise Yah. And Yah is short for Yahweh. Let's praise God. Praise the almighty God of heaven. And our purpose in our worship, in our preaching, and in our prayer is to praise God and love Him and then love each other. Our love of each other is a part of our strategy. I used to use that term occasionally, and I think everybody got bored with my Sunday nights talking about love, grow, serve. A friend of mine made the statement that success in the church is not seeing a lot of volunteers, it's seeing disciples. Well, I understand what he means, but you're not a disciple if you're not serving. You, our goal is for you to love, to grow in your love, and grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ, and because of your love of God and love for others, to serve the world. Serve each other, serve the community, serve. Love, grow, serve. He had heard of their love, but he's also praying for them the fullness he said in verse 17, asking God the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight 
so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. How long have you been saved? Are you growing? You know, too often we think about, we talk about growing in knowledge and we're talking about biblical, trivial pursuit. I can be guilty of that too. Don, the devotion I gave the Thursday morning coffee bunch, I had fun with that. But it was basically biblical, trivial pursuit with one point. I told the Sunday school class this morning, everybody probably wishes I would preach with just one point. But I had a devotion that was biblical, trivial pursuit with one point. Everybody needs a place to meet with God. Everybody needs a private place to meet with God. What Paul wanted for them and what I pray for you is that you will grow in your faith and you will grow in your intimacy with God. Listen, do not neglect your spiritual side. He wants an intimate spiritual relationship with you. Are you growing in your relationship with God? We spend time, we worry about our jobs, we worry about our finances, we worry about our children and our grandchildren. And yet, do we worry more about their mental education, their intellect? Do we wor worry more about their emotions? And at what point do we stress, do we emphasize their spirituality? I got to tell you, I'm, I'm heartbroken that we had to cancel kids camp this coming week because of the spike and because it is particularly affecting children under the age of 12 and that's who we're talking about the leaders of the camp canceled that we are we have a shortage of ki of children in our church praise god for the children who are sitting here right now we need more of them we need the opportunity to pour into their spirits a spiritual knowledge and a spiritual wisdom. And I thank God for those volunteers who teach on Sunday, in Sunday school and in chapel. And on Wednesday night, we're starting Wednesday night again on the 25th of August. Praise God. We, we need to be concerned about our spirits. Are you growing? The reason for being a member. We've got some who are considering being a member of our church and I hope they will but the reason for being a member of this church is to grow in your relationship with God and to grow in relationship with other saints of God other church members love grow serve then that fullness having a deep personal relationship with God the second thing that Paul prayed for them and that every pastor prays for his church members is clarity of God's calling in their lives. Verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. Now, in this translation... It, uh, the NLT, he talks about that your hearts will be flooded with light. We talk about enlightenment. 
In the NIV, in the ESV, it talks about that your heart might be enlightened. The, the, one translation says that the eyes of your heart would be open. Did you know, Macy, that your heart has eyes without any glasses, just eyes? No, that is the center of our emotion, and that's where the Spirit of God works. The Spirit of God works on our heart to bring knowledge and understanding. That is a huge part of the ministry of the Spirit of God to enlightenment. Enlightenment of our hearts is the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. And I want to encourage you, when you're hearing the Word preached, don't be on your phone doing Twitter. Don't do Facebook during the service. You've got plenty of time for that later. Don't be thinking about what's burning on the... Well, no, women don't cook Sunday dinner in, anymore anyway. Tracy's agreeing with me back there. Uh, preachers used to talk about quit worrying about the roast that's burning on the stove. Uh, I guess that's out of sync today. Don't be distracted. Listen for the Spirit of God speaking to your heart. How many times have I said to you, Jesus is in the room. When you came into this place, you need to recognize that Jesus is in the room and He came here to meet with you personally. And He's got a word for you. If you will listen for Him, He will speak to you. You know, I understand that I can't preach to everybody and communicate with everybody, but the Spirit of God can. Tony, I guarantee you that there's as many people are, are, as are here, there's probably 25 different sermons that people hear, and I only preach one, or at least I try to just preach one. But the Spirit of God, Jerry, can take that Word of God and make it fit your heart, and you'll hear something different because one thing affects somebody else but does not affect you. But you have to listen. Listen not just to my voice, but listen for the voice of Christ speaking through His Spirit, His heart, to your heart, so that your heart is enlightened. He talks about hope. I've said this before, but I think it's an important point. In the NLT it says that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called. And still, I mentioned this last Sunday. I don't remember who it was who said, I don't like that word hope because that means there's doubt. I hope it'll happen. No, that's the world's kind of hope. That, that hoping that I hope I'll win the lottery. It'd be hard for me to win the lottery because I don't buy tickets. But nevertheless, I hope it will happen. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is is confident hope. A better word for that is assurance. I have the assurance that God is who He says He is. I have the assurance that God will do what He says He will do. And I have the assurance that He'll do it in my life because He said He would. I'd, maybe it's a play on words, but I like this. Carter, my insurance is with a company here in town. But my assurance 
is with Jesus Christ and my Heavenly Father. You need assurance. In the day in which we live, Wanda, man, you need assurance. And our assurance, I, I hope you have insurance. But what's more important is to have assurance because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Then he talks about his calling. That you may know the hope to which he has called you. I heard um, from Next Camp. Our kids went to, our young people went to the bog. And I got to preach a few years ago as camp evangelist in Next Camp. And I heard from Next Camp that they had like 65 professions of faith last week. Wow. You know what excites me even more? They had nine people who surrendered to the ministry. That touches my heart. Charles, we have a shortage of young men, young women surrendering to serve God in full-time service. Young men who will surrender to preach. I remember, I was thinking this week, maybe because I was reading this passage, I was thinking about all the time I sat under the preaching of H.H. H. Cunningham. I, I, I loved old brother Cunningham. He only had one sermon. He'd preach it from different verses. But Charles, it was pretty much the same sermon every week. But he told us over and over and over again, Joe, how God called him to preach. And I have met more men in ministry who surrendered to preach under H.H. H. Cunningham than anybody else I've ever met. Because he told his story, how God spoke to his heart the call to preach. And it is my dream that some young man will surrender to ministry in Faith Baptist Church, North Little Rock. It is my dream that some young woman will surrender to serve God as women can in our church, from our church. There is that call. And God still calls. Now, I enjoyed saying that. Really did. But that's not what Paul's talking about. Corey, what he's talking about is the call that every one of us have. God has called every one of us. He may not have called us. I need to say this very carefully, and you listen as carefully as I'm trying to be careful saying it. Not everyone is called into the ministry, but every child of God is called to minister. You get the difference? Not all of you are called into the ministry, but every single member of this church is called to minister. God has a calling for you. God has a ministry in which you need to be involved. And we, I would pray for you a clarity of what God's called you to do. Now, there are some who believe in in giftedness testing. Take this test and we'll tell you what you're good at and that's what you need to do. I don't believe that. I think the best way for you to find out what God's calling is is ask Him what He would put on your heart. Charlotte, what do you have a burden for? That's probably God's calling. 
What is it that you see that needs to be done, Carl, that's not being done? That's probably God's calling. That's how He works. Step through that door and try that ministry and see if God is working in you in that way. God has a calling for you. He wants to use you for His glory. Then he talks about the inheritance of that calling. He talks about the hope he's given to those he called his holy people. And get this, this is revolutionary. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. It's not our inheritance he's talking about. Gloria, that's what we usually think about. We are, and I, I preached a terrible sermon last Sunday night with all the lights flashing and everything else. The lights were almost as bad as my sermon. I just, uh, I didn't feel really good about that sermon when it was over. But I talked about adoption. And we, we talk about being sons of God. And so we have, we're joint heirs with Christ. And we think about our inheritance. But that's not what he's saying in this verse. He's talking about not our inheritance, but His. You are His glorious inheritance. You know what that means? You matter to God. John, He loves you more than you or I could ever conceive of. And that you have trusted in Him means more to Him than you will ever know. And He looks at you who have believed that He has called and you have responded. He looks at you as a glorious inheritance. And listen to me, look up here. He's looking forward to spending eternity with you. We think about, man, I'm looking forward to spending eternity with God. You need to understand, He is looking forward to spending eternity with you. Man, I love that. I love that. And then the third thing that the pastor prays for his church is access to God's power. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for, for us who believe in Him. By the way, this is not a part of the sermon, but it just... Uh, I got tickled because... Anybody remember the young man who used to say, Dynamite? Do you know he's back on TV doing commercials? And I discovered he's forgotten how to, Roger, he doesn't know how to say Dynamite anymore. He's sort of boring at it now. Listen, God's power is Dynamite. The incredible greatness of His power for those who believe in Him. It is, first of all, immeasurable power. In the ESV, that's exactly what it says. And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? His power cannot be measured. How many horsepower is it? Uh, that's an old measurement, but we still use it. Working horsepower. One horse, one horsepower. Two horses, two horsepower. I had a motorcycle. 
I still have it, by the way, it's for sale in case you wonder, but I have a friend, Roger, who calls the murder cycles. He had an accident and murder cycles. Well, mine had 90, well, has 96 horsepower. Imagine turning the throttle and it's like 96 horses out there pulling that motorcycle along. That's frightening. Maybe that's why it's for sale. Horsepower. How many horsepower does God have? Well, since He spoke and the entire universe came into being, you can't measure His power. His power is immeasurable. You believe that? Immeasurable. The immeasurable greatness of His power. We believe that, but here's what we have trouble with. That His power will work in us. That is His plan. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us. His power is available. I was thinking this week, I, I don't know, sometimes my wife makes the mistake of asking me what I'm thinking. Carol, at one point, I just started telling her. She doesn't ask much anymore. <laughs> I've told you before, a man's mind is like a TV remote. The, the guy sitting in front of a TV does not want to know what's on. He wants to know what else is on. And so he's sitting there constantly flipping through the channels over and over and over again. You know why he does that? Ladies, I'll reveal a secret to you because that's how our minds work. And when he, you ask him, what are you thinking? And he says nothing. Number one, he's lying. He is thinking something. But the trouble is, it would take an hour for him to explain to you how he got from where he started thinking to where he's thinking right now. His mind is, is constantly shifting channels. Come on, man. You know I'm right. Well, I just... Stan, I started telling her. She had asked, what are you thinking? And I, I, I don't remember what it was the other day, but I, I even explained how I got there. Well, we passed this sign, and I thought about this, and then I thought about this, and I thought about... And I ended up thinking about people jumping out of airplanes. <laughs> she doesn't ask near as much as she used to. <laughs> Listen, God's power is available in us. We don't think that. We don't really believe that. Do you believe that Jesus is who He said He is? Come on. Do you believe that He will do what He said He would do? Do you believe He'll do it in you? See, that's the problem. We do pretty good up to that last point. Do you believe that His power is the same? I started all that thing about thinking. I was thinking about Peter walking on water. Nobody doubts that Jesus could and did walk on water. But the, the message from the fact that Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on water is that God's power 
was available not just for Jesus Christ, but also for Peter. And God's power is available for your life. Just the God who enabled a simple fisherman like Peter to walk on water can empower a sinner like me to overcome my problems. His power works in our life as Jesus exerts His mighty strength. That power, it says, is the same as the mighty strength He exerted, exercised. That is the energy word. He energized when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms. The exertion of mighty strength. Listen, God the Father is willing to exert His power in your life through your faith in Christ and the presence of His Holy Spirit. I've got about one minute left, and I've got a whole sermon to preach yet. Hang on to your seats. You know what a preacher prays, a pastor prays for his congregation? That they will exalt Christ. Not themselves. I made the statement, and a sermon may have seemed radical to you, that there's, there's a kind of member I'm not looking for. I'm not looking for the member who comes and says, well, I've got a lot of gifts, and I would be good for your church, and you really need me. And there are people who come like that, and I'm not much interested in that. I'm interested in the one who comes and said, I need this church. I need what you're preaching here. I need a place to be with people who believe in God. And I need a place to serve. We're not looking for chiefs. We're looking for Indians. We're not looking for bosses. We're looking for servants. People who will live and who will exalt Christ. God exalted Him when He raised Him from the dead said, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. He rose. I, if, if I could preach the whole sermon, I would tell you who it was in the Bible that was raised from the dead and who raised them. Who raised Jesus? It was not any human agency, no prophet, no preacher. He laid His life down and He picked it up again. And God exalted Him when He raised Him from the dead. He has resurrection power and He will raise us from the dead. That leads me to ask you, where will you spend eternity? With God in heaven or separated from God? Where will you spend eternity? Not only is He exalted because He's raised from the dead, but He's exalted at God's right hand. Where is Jesus now? Some people might ask that. So where is Jesus now? Man, He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. You got it right. He pointed to heaven. He's right. He's right. From the mouth of babes. Seated at the right hand of God. Jonathan, there's no more honored place, no more powerful place than sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Where He is far above Every other authority. You know, the city of Ephesus had trouble with idol worship. 
And so it meant a lot to them, Karen, when he said he's far above any other authority. There is no government authority. There's no military authority. There's no spiritual authority in heaven or earth that's greater than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let him be exalted. Lift up his name. There is no name like the name of Jesus. And I pray for you that you might exalt Christ. By the way, he's also the head of the church. I've said to you, and I like it when somebody says it or prints it on Facebook. Or There's a lot of stuff I don't like on Facebook, but I like it when somebody says, I love my church. Amen. I do. I love my church. But Don, you know what? The honest truth is, it's not my church. It's His church. It's His church. I, get, I call it my church because I get to be a member and I get to lead the church. I get to pastor, lead pastor, not senior pastor. Don't do that. Lead pastor. It's His church. He's in charge. He is in charge. Sometimes we get to thinking, well, I want it to be this way, and my preference is this, and my preference is that. Listen to me. Everything we do in this church is all about Him. The worship, the singing, the praying, the preaching, it's not about me. It's all about Him. Then finally, because He's the head of the church, we are His body. James, that means we're supposed to exalt Him. We're supposed to praise Him. On the job, in the school, and everything we do, everything we do is to be to exalt Him, our worship. It's not necessarily what I like. It's what pleases Him and glorifies Him. When you volunteer, when you serve, it's not about you, and it's not necessarily about those kids or those teens. It's all about Him. Do it as unto the Lord. That's what you learned at Story Church this past week. Do it for those strangers whose cars you washed as if the driver of the car was the Lord Himself. Do it to exalt Christ. May Christ be exalted in our lives. May we be totally sold out, all in, for Jesus Christ. To lift Him up. To glorify His name. To exalt Him. That is my prayer for faith in Allah. That is my prayer for you as a member of this church. And it is my prayer for me that as pastor I would never steal His glory, but that I would exalt Him and lift Him up. What about you? Are you living that way? Are you living and walking by faith? Loving one another, loving God? Are you all in? Have you surrendered your life totally and completely to Jesus Christ?